and welcome to This Week Explained. I'm Tiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kervin. It's been another eventful week of global news, and that means here's another episode <laughs> with all of the intelligence insights that you're looking for. But before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to highlight the conversation that you had with Alexa O'Brien about the recent intelligence leak by a National Guard soldier. Do you have a clip? Yeah, I sure do. And I do want to say that this conversation happened before the Trump indictment this week, which was in regard to having classified documents. And Mm -hmm. she's been talking a lot on social media about sort of the nuances of the indictment. I think if you fit on either side, you'd be very you'd be very interested in hearing what she has to say as a neutral person in this. So if you if you want to do that, go on any social media, whether it's Instagram, TikTok or Twitter, and you can follow her. She's such a balanced voice in this polarizing time. But here's that clip from that episode. It only matters to me what the press thinks about it in terms of like how it might impact society. Right. Right. And the ability of a, you know, collection of people like we call ourselves Americans to be able to govern ourselves. I mean, that's that's really how it only concerns me. I'm not concerned that there are people who have crazy ideas because there's always people who have crazy ideas. Does the press need to be fully informed on intelligence? I think that people who cover national security should have a good hang of it. It, it, it works better that way. But, you know, at the same time, I'm, I, I don't ha- I'm not making any kind of prescription for it. And just to make this clear, this is the most recent episode that we have of Insightful Inquiries. And you can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts. So let's get into what, what's been happening this week, Kervin. <laughs> right. We've got Russia, Ukraine. There are some new developments there. Also, nuclear weapons have made their way to Belarus. We had a post about that months ago that Russia was planning on sending those, those weapons to Belarus. We'll talk Kosovo, Serbia, because those tensions have increased this week. And then we'll get into how Egypt has officially stated they want to join the BRICS alignment. Then we'll follow our path to the Indo-Pacific and talk North Korea's ballistic missile launch that happened this week. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked about them. Then after that, we will discuss how Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is going to Beijing to talk to Chinese officials. That's pretty important. And then we'll finish it off with this newly declassified report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence on public data collection within the intelligence community. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So what is the latest in Ukraine? Well, the big talk of the week has been the launch of that long planned Ukrainian counteroffensive that's been going on around Bakhmut with heavy fighting in both Donetsk and Luhansk regions. The Ukrainians have said that their troops have recaptured seven settlements and at least 35 square miles since starting the counteroffensive earlier this week. So what is Russia doing as a counter to the counteroffensive? The counter counter counteroffensive. The counter counter counteroffensive. 
Well, they've doing what Russia's been doing from the start. They've performed missile and drone strikes on various parts of Ukraine. Uh, one drone strike did hit Odessa, which had been kind of quiet for a few months. Also, Russia did have time during the talk of the counteroffensive to build up a defensive posture along the front lines of Ukraine's planned counteroffensive. So the battles there in those areas have been quite intense. Both sides are seeing some heavy losses. Do you have any idea what the follow-on move would be if Ukraine is successful in this counteroffensive? Well, I think it's clear that Ukraine wants to send a message to Russia and its supporters globally that it does not intend to roll over and, and just be defeated. And on the contrary, Ukraine is going to be aggressive in taking back what it deems is rightfully Ukrainian territory. So I think that Ukraine is actually setting up for an assault on Crimea. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, that could come in the fall. We have discussed this, you know, when we started to talk about the counteroffensive stuff that's going mm-hmm. on. Uh, so I don't think there's really a change to the assessment, except that we could see that within the uh, within this year, by the fall of this year. Okay, well, what if Russia repels the counteroffensive? What does that do for Ukraine? That's going to be devastating because we've been talking about it for months. This is one of the most important things that Ukraine had planned to do. I think if it doesn't work out for them, Zelensky's going to need to reevaluate the Ukrainian mission. He's probably going to have to agree to at least the talks on a peace deal. And it's going to put Ukraine in this awkward position. They're going to need to capitulate to some, if not all, of Russia's demands. So this could be a turning point in the war, or a tipping point, as Malcolm Gladwell would call it. Oh, nice. Bringing in Malcolm Gladwell. (laughs) Yeah, that's it would be the tipping point. Yeah. Now, um, that's why the counteroffensive was planned for so long. Ukraine had to get it right. They had to put the best effort forward in order to repel further Russian aggression. Well, with the counteroffensive ongoing, we have an update to a story from a couple months ago as Belarus has received some of the nuclear weapons from Russia. I almost said nuclear weapons. Those are are actually more dangerous, I think. Gosh, I'm (laughs) tongue-tied, like usual. Anyways, so how, how will this affect the war in Ukraine moving forward? Well, I mean, it increases the probability of the use of tactical nuclear weapons in Ukraine, that's for sure. Depending on how the counteroffensive shakes out, there is a real chance we could see the use of a nuclear weapon in this war. Well, that's not that's not a very fun thought. No. What what would be the what would be the global reaction to the use of a nuclear weapon? Well, that's going to depend on how the weapons are used. So if they're used in the way that I expect them to be used, so like against infrastructure and not the population, shutting down you know the electrical grid, mm-hmm. things like that, we'd see like this huge uproar as it happens and kind of like what we've seen throughout everything. When they blew up the dam? Yeah, exactly, with, with the dam. There's huge uproar, and a week later... There's no talk about it yeah, anymore. Never. And then it's basically forgotten because there's the next geopolitical event that is going to happen. Well, what happens if civilians are harmed due to the use of nuclear weapons? No, so that I think would be a game changer. I believe NATO would have no choice but to step in. They would have to condemn Putin. They'd have to condemn Lukashenko from Belarus. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to condemn the entire Russian military for carrying it out. 
there's going to be broad support globally for deploying NATO troops to Ukraine. And that means that the war then becomes a global war. World War Three. World War Three, if you will. I do think China is going to play a part in at least delaying the use of tactical nuclear munitions until they can formulate their own plan on how to react. Mm-hmm. Putin does listen to Xi, and, and he has capitulated on things before, like starting the war after the Olympics. That, that was one of yeah, the things. Nice. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. I do want to be clear that we're not there yet. So yeah. nothing to, to freak this out about. All, yeah, we're just posing different questions yep. from so different angles. Definitely yeah. speculation, but in the, the form of what's the most likely outcome. We're going to have to see how the counteroffensive plays out. So far, mm-hmm. Ukraine's making gains. But then as, as humans tend to be, future reactions to these events are going to be super unpredictable. Well, looks like there will be a weekly update on this counteroffensive yeah. until things are clearer. I, I'm i sure there will be much more talk about like where the two sides stand within the next week or so. So let's discuss another conflict within Europe as Serbia arrested a few Kosovo police officers. What do you know about that situation? Yeah, and, and this was one of those future conflicts that we had talked about keeping an eye on in 2023. And it's one of the reasons why, because the region's so volatile right now. As you said, three Kosovo police officers were detained by Serbian forces, but officials from Kosovo and Serbia actually gave entirely different locations for the arrest. They accused each other of crossing the border illegally. So Serbia's president, Alexander Vucic, said that the three were arrested as far as about a mile inside Serbian territory. He also said, and I want to quote him here, he said, we are at the crossroads, whether we will have peace or not. And there's one man in the Balkans who wants to incite conflicts at any cost. That's not Putin. That man in question is the prime minister of Kosovo, Albin. You should probably say where the quote ended. Because it sounds oh. like you're still quote. You said I'm <laughs> quoting him, and then you just kept going. That that is very true. So he says there's one man in the Balkans who wants to incite conflicts at any cost. That's the end of the quote. That's I added. It's not, <laughs> it's not Putin. It's not Putin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, somebody could Google and see what he said, but just for the sake of time, definitely. No, no more unnecessary Google searches while we speak on That's here. That's not what the audience wants. They just no, want all the facts. They want facts. all their information in one spot. So let's get it right. Definitely. <laughs> now, the man he was talking about was the Prime Minister of Kosovo, Albin Kurti. Obviously, Kosovo disputes all of this, as an, any other government would do. But this week, I will say that the European Union said it had agreed to punitive measures on Kosovo's prime minister's government. They accused him of failing to take steps to defuse the crisis. Does this conflict escalate in the coming months? Do you see that happening, maybe? If nothing changes, because right now Kosovo has banned all vehicles with Serbian license plates from entering its territory, there's going to be a broad armed conflict between the two countries before the year ends. Now, some may disagree with me, but I don't think we have reached the point of no return. The two governments definitely could come to a mutually beneficial agreement, but we are getting close to that point of no return. 
Well, let's hope that they can work something out between those two governments. Now, moving on to the African continent, recent reports suggest Egypt is formally applying to be a part of the BRICS group. Can you do a refresher on what BRICS is? And then let's discuss what this means for the U.S. dollar and Western Europe. Yeah, like so Egypt formally applied to join what is right now a five-member bloc, BRICS. It's a group of five countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. As we discussed previously, that group is working on a new currency because they want to challenge the U.S. dollar as the global currency. What happens if the dollar is usurped as the global currency, and how likely do you think this is to occur? All right, several things just will happen if this does come to fruition, for, uh, and that's that the dollar is usurped. Now, the U.S. dollar has been the dominant global currency for decades. Its status as the reserve currency has allowed the U.S. to borrow at lower interest rates, which has helped to finance the country's budget deficits, its continued budget deficit, yeah, um, yeah, which has allowed it to maintain its economic dominance. So if the U.S. dollar were to lose its status as the global currency, it's going to lead to higher borrowing costs for the U.S. government, means more more money needed. Yeah. That's going to mean... The default will rise. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to Erase. ramp up that debt that debt ceiling. Uh-huh. We're going to see... Well, us in the U.S. are going to see higher taxes. Oh, I mean, right. you could see reduced government spending. I highly doubt, doubt that. that. Yeah. So more money coming out of the American population's they wallet. They just keep raising the debt ceiling and not doing anything to actually correct the problem. It's right. really cool. Yeah. It's really it's, cool. <laughs> it's like giving a five-year-old an unlimited credit card. Right? That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Except they're all... Never mind. Yeah, well... Never mind. I'll say... I'll they're say all five-year-olds, yes. They're all... Um, they're all five-year-olds. <laughs> Getting back to what this could do to the dollar, dollar, and it really affects the United States and the American population. It's going to decline the value of the U.S. dollar, and that is going to increase the cost of imports. So higher prices on imports coming in, and it's going to reduce the purchasing power of all Americans. So that's why I think this is a very important issue for our American listeners to to keep Mm -hmm. track of. Now, the main impact is going to be that the, the BRICS block is looking at a, a shift in the balance of global economic power. That's really what they want, led by Russia and China. Right. With China, they have their, set, their sights set on becoming the world's next great superpower. They don't want Russia in on that. They're just China. And so this is just the part of that process. Okay. And for the people who are panicking... Hearing what you're discussing right now, I would like you to clarify how likely this is to happen. Well, experts are split on this. I'm not an economics expert or anything, but it's obvious a BRICS currency is a flawed idea. And that's because of the significant economic and political differences among just the member countries right now. There's only five right now, and they're already so different. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough. There are going to be tons of challenges that they're going to face in coordinating those policies. China and India, they're going to need to settle some of their differences, and and they've had some armed conflicts because of those differences. Many countries 
And so they're going to need a, t a ton of countries to join the BRICS block. But those countries that are looking to join and participate in the currency, they are countries that are struggling economically. And that's why they want to join it. Right. So adding struggling economies to a new currency doesn't bode well for the new currency. And so I think it's not it's kind of kind of unlikely that it's going to okay. usurp the dollar. OK, so we can take a breath and be calm for now. For now. If it happens, it's definitely not happening happening immediately where we can't be calm <laughs> is in the Indo-Pacific region where North Korea decided to launch more missiles. Yay! This time, they launched a ballistic missile in response to the U.S. and South Korea conducting live-fire drills. Shocker, they always do that. What are the potential impacts of this recent missile launch? The impacts are the same as always. Until a missile actually impacts something tangible, uh, either in South Korea or Japan, all sides are just going to point the... It's like the Spider-Man meme. They're just pointing fingers at each other, blaming them for escalating the situation when they're all the same person. Sanctions are going to be put in place, more sanctions. And then we're going to wait for the next reaction from North Korea. Now, for what it's worth, President Joe Biden did warn North Korea a few months ago that a nuclear attack on the U.S. and its allies would be the end of Kim's regime. I do think Kim is worried about that. He is, he's going to do everything possible to refrain from using nuclear weapons, but also Kim has to show the, his people what they're spending all this money on when they are in debt and, and their economy is tanking. Mm. It wasn't helpful last month when the satellite launch failed, and I think that that failed satellite launch made it necessary for Kim to perform some other public action. I think that's what we saw here. Oh, Okay. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Well, let's stay in the Pacific and talk about the upcoming trip to Beijing by U.S. Secretary of State Blinken. What is the likely outcome of that trip? Are, sorry, are we going to see a possible normalizing of relations between the U.S. and China? Let's get to the easy answer first. I'll answer okay. the easy question you asked, which there does not look to be any avenue for normalizing relations with, with China. Okay. Um, that is evident because the United States played down expectations of any breakthrough from this trip. It's the first trip by a U.S. Secretary of State to China in five years. So it's been a while. Now, while in Beijing, so you wanted to know what the likely outcome of, of the trip was. Well, in Beijing, he's supposed to meet, the Secretary Blinken is going to meet with senior People's Republic of China officials He's going to discuss the importance of maintaining open lines of communication to responsibly manage the U.S.-Chinese relationship. Now, Chinese officials said that they hope the U.S. can meet China halfway, effectively manage differences, and promote communication and cooperation to stabilize bilateral relations. They want to bring ties back to the track of healthy and stable development. None of that will happen. 
And so the likely out there's two likely outcomes depending on what Blinken says about the trip. And that is it could either shorten G's Taiwan timeline or it can extend it. And it all depends, like I said, about how Blinken frames the conversation, but how it also it's received by President Xi. So you think Xi would move the Taiwan timeline forward if Blinken said something disparaging about China? Definitely. Oh, okay. Like to punish us or something? <laughs> yeah, well... I don't get what that's... I, I don't know. So the reason I say that is because it it would take the conversation to the fact that they're... You know, we talked about normalizing relations, and I said that mm-hmm. I, I think we're we're way past that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, any adverse reaction from Blinken is going to totally demolish any relationship the U.S. has with China, and China's not going to care about how we feel about Taiwan. It's really annoying because he's one person's maybe saying something not as positive as Xi would like. And then that's one person in the United States. That's what I I don't know. That's that's what sucks about geopolitics. One person can change the entire world. Uh, So will there be any discussion about China possibly outfitting Russia with weapons? Well, the U.S. did state that one of the topics is going to be the war in Ukraine. You can bet that exact question will be brought up. And and by the way, you should bring that up. They should allow you to go and bring that up. Me? You want me to go talk to them? You should. Why? I mean, the way you manage this house, it's got to be better than some people that are managing this trip. Are you saying I'm a control freak? That's not what I said. That's not even close. I don't, well, I mean, I don't, I don't. You were good about asking a question and continuing to press until you actually get the answer. I thought, I thought you were implying that I run this place like a military, like a sergeant, a drill sergeant. Not at all. Okay. I thought that I, my brain immediately went military and I was like, I'm not running this house. I don't have a bunch of weird rules and. It's very efficient in this house. Yeah. Rules where they need to be, and then no rules where they don't need to be. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> basically, barring them allowing you to go out there and ask yeah, the questions, right? There's no, there's not going to be any normalizing of relation. Um, but so the the Ukraine question is going to be a very delicate topic. It's going to be, it's going to need to be addressed in such a way as not to offend Chinese officials. You know, they right. haven't publicly said that they are outfitting Russia with weapons. And that's what I'm talking about when I say one man could just change the entire trajectory of geopolitics because if you if he does go hardline on now sanctions to China because they're outfitting Russia with weapons, they'll move the they will definitely Taiwan timeline the forward. Taiwan timeline forward. They will have the backing of Iran, Russia, North Korea and mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll just see how it goes but that's only if they accuse china of sending weapons to russia that's going to be seen as a provocation okay yeah well hopefully they wouldn't accuse them without proof because they should know that they already are kind of walking a fine line going to china to begin with and he's got all these talking points right i mean this isn't like a trip that was planned prepared yeah, not off the cuff. He's going to stick to a very clear outline of what he can discuss and what he can't discuss and hopefully not 
insult anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's not like when we went to Europe and then I forgot we had an extra day in the UK, in London, and we had to spend an extra day. But no, no, but there were no geopolitical implications from you for getting that. We just got to explore Windsor. Yeah. So it's fine. That's a li- I wouldn't compare those two things, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> two different things. So do you have any predictions on the outcome of this trip? Yeah, same as with North Korea. Nothing changes. And we just continue down the path of armed conflict in the Indo-Pacific in the next five to ten years. Huh. Well, that's not very helpful. So Which we're not ending get... the episode, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're not ending it on a low point. So let's get to the final topic. I'm sure you will have a lot to say about this issue, but the Office of the Director of National Intelligence declassified a report about how the intelligence community gathers and utilizes publicly available data. Is this something we should be worried about, or is it just another way for the government to keep its citizens secure from terrorist activity, whether domestic or abroad? Like, they're just trying to save us, protect us from ourselves. Yeah, you know my usual answer, right, is always, what depends on who you ask? Yeah. If you're asking an American citizen, they're going to say, yeah, I'm very worried. If you're asking a government official, they're going to say, no, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, of Um, course. And I think both of those statements can be true because both of those people are worried or not worried for specific reasons. So we'll start with the report. Now, it's from a classified report in January of 2022. So the intelligence community has been discussing this at least since January of 2022. So over a year. Right, over a year. And it was just declassified this week. For us peons. For us peons. (laughs) And it was talking about commercially available information or CAI. So what exactly is commercially available information? CAI refers to data that is legally and commercially available to the public. So this is information that people can purchase from sources like data brokers, marketing firms, mainly social media platforms, or, Mm. you know, you can, you know, you can go onto a website that has all public records and you can pay 99 cents for whatever person, get all their data. Yeah. That's basically what the government's doing here. So how would the intelligence community use this information? Or should I say... (laughs) How is the intelligence community using this information? So it is, it's very interesting. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I went on the podcast with, with Emery's as before this report was declassified. And one of the things I brought up was a very concerning new initiative by the intelligence community. Well, can you elaborate more for the listeners and let us know how these two things tie together? Sure. The, so what, I was, what I'm talking about was a recent VICE report that said the U.S. intelligence is building a system to track mass movement of people around the world and flag what they consider anomalies. Now, we probably all understand like the best way to track an individual, probably through their cell phone. Who leaves the house without their cell phone? Very No one sees. I used to. In the early... Early days of cell phones becoming prevalent everywhere. I used to leave my cell phone all the time because it annoyed me that people could contact me so <laughs> And now look at us. Now look at me. Now I have it. But now I just keep it on mute and I'm like, oh, well, if I miss your call. <laughs> yep. 
nothing's that important. Another way is through social media. So if you if you're not too savvy, you haven't changed your social media location tracking, uh, mm-hmm. that can be uh, that can be identified by the government. And also your IP address that every device that you have has. It shows where you're at. Duh. We yeah we live in an interconnected world. Yeah. All of an individual's data can be used to paint a pretty realistic picture of who the person is. So you you get to know who that person is. You get to know where they have been, where they're going to go, and what they're planning. So the way I, what I took from this article, it was like very minority report initiative where- Really? Are they're trying to like stop crime before it happens that's kind a, of thing? That's exactly what this initiative is yeah, trying to do. That's what an anomaly is? Yes. An anomaly is somebody they think is more inclined to- so let's let this crime. is this is an anomaly. Okay. Let's say you go to work every day at eight a.m. Head to work, you know, Monday through Friday. You go to work eight a.m. You know what? It's uh, in okay. The way you're saying anomaly, I mean, the way you're discussing what an anomaly is, it's in regards to this, not what an actual anomaly is, right? Because right. I know what an anomaly is. Right? Yeah, you know, I know okay. you know what anomalies are. <laughs> We all know what anomalies well, are, but I'm I'm just trying to focus it well, in I'm just, on I'm just yeah, on this project or this yeah. initiative. What is it whenever it you know, what's an anomaly in regards to this initiative? Right. So they've taken all your data from your mm-hmm. cell phone, social media, IP addresses. They know, like I said, you go to work at eight AM, you follow this path. Yeah. One of right. one of two or three paths, right? We all kinda sometimes I take ninety five, sometimes I take one and Depends. I mean, you have to switch things up up here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Traffic is terrible. The anomaly would be, you know, 8 a.m. Tuesday morning, you make a detour to another city. That's an anomaly. That's not a crime. That's a vacation. Well. From work. <laughs> so what? there's a lot in the background that goes on on with that because you're, you're exactly right. It could be a vacation. It could be yeah. any, oh, I need to pick Just up. A day trip. Yeah. But they can take, they can extract that anomaly, mm-hmm. figure out, oh, where this person's going, they have somebody that I have seen on social media they don't like. I think they're going to so go. Like a witch hunt, an internet witch hunt. Could like be, somebody could, can report you and then they'll yep. keep a closer eye on your information. Yep. And so it's kind of like, you know, Minority Report, they, they used okay. these other beings, right, that could predict the future. Yeah. Uh, but this would be an AI with including machine learning, uh. understanding your normal daily routines and nightly routines and finding these anomalies and saying, okay, I think well, this is what this person is going to do and we're going to prevent the crime before it happens. Or what they're trying to do right now, which is prevent a terrorist attack before it happens. Yeah. Now at that point, just like in Minority Report, we get into like this philosophical discussion. Is a crime a crime if you just think about it? No. But you never carry out the act? No. Well, if that's true, then they can't arrest anybody, right? That would be the right. philosophical discussion to have. We're not going to have that discussion here, though. Okay. Well, because I've... Never mind. <laughs> anyway. Intrusive so thoughts. Yeah, intrusive thoughts. That's all I am is just walking. Not that I like go around wanting to harm people right. all the time. That's not what I mean. But that's just, I don't know. That that does rub me the wrong way. So what is the discussion we should be having? 
Well, for this podcast, I think it's important to discuss why, if at all, this is important for the global population. I, I think we can all agree that we've given up some privacies and freedoms to become more connected. Yeah. All did that when you signed up for a social media account. Right. Um, so, yeah. What you, when you sign up for a phone app, you'll have to give up some privacy. If you go on various forms of travel, especially traveling to a different country, you no longer have some of your privacy. Should people be concerned about the government using this data for nefarious reasons? Unfortunately, the answer is yes. The truth is that governments are run by humans who are in power and they want to stay in power. Now, I'm, I can't say for sure whether the U.S. government would use this particular data to control us, to control the population, because what I can tell you in my experience personally is I was very careful about where my reporting was coming from when I was doing intelligence reports. I never allowed for intelligence collection of known American citizens, even if it meant sacrificing some of the potential high-value targets. The data we're talking about here is, is different. So it's freely given up by individuals. So then does privacy even matter in this case? And that's just a, a philosophical discussion that we're going to need to have as a society. Um, and this is especially as more and more companies ask for access to people's data. It's not going to get better, right? Companies are not going to ask for less stuff. Yeah. More. So where do we draw the line? We've got to figure that out. That's the real debate. It's one we should all be tracking over the next few years. These are conversations we should have with each other. Where should we as a society draw the line? After all, our privacy and civil liberties could very well be at stake if an adversarial government were to gain like global power over all of this data. Wow, there's so many things that we could continue discussing on this topic alone. Yeah. I know we put out an Instagram post and got a lot of great comments. So keep those comments coming, guys. Now, Kervin, is that all for this week? I I thought so, but I have something real quick that was kind of funny. Okay. Because, I, do you know Lionel Messi? Do you know the soccer player, Lionel Messi? Yeah. He's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, $1.6 billion contract he just signed or something. Is it 1.6, 1.2, something. Yeah, and he's coming to the United States. He's going to play for Inter Miami, which is a major league soccer team in the United States. Well, he had a friendly in China, in Beijing, and he tried to get into there with his Spanish passport. And I think he solved the question of China and Taiwan. What do you mean? Well, they detained him. And they said, what are you doing? You need to have a visa in order to be here in China. And he said, well, I saw the rules in Taiwan said that for Spanish citizens, if you're not there for longer than 90 days, you don't need a visa. <laughs> Is Taiwan not China? Oh, no, he called them on it. Yes. To like, which... Why aren't the rules the same? <laughs> yeah, so he was detained for two hours while they figured out the, the visa process and they expedited a visa for him. Because of course they did. He's Lionel Messi. Right. No one's going to that soccer match or that football match yeah. if he's not going to be participating in it. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that was really funny. And and that's all I've got for this week. Do you have anything? Well, Do you have anything extra? No, I don't. Oh. You know I don't. Okay. So thank you. Thank you for listening to our humble, independent geopolitical podcast. We hope you found it both informative and engaging. 
As we mentioned at the start of the episode, if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakland Analytics. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.